Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today is a follow-up episode with Becca. Becca shared for the first time in episode 7 of season 1. At that time, she shared about the journey of her mom following a diagnosis with dementia, and that even though her mom was still physically present, she already felt like a daughter without a mom. Today, Becca returns to share the story of the end of her mom's journey and how their family did their best to honor the person that her mom was before the diagnosis at her celebration of life. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, Becca's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me again, Becca. So, Becca and I first connected in February of 2021, and so I went back to look. She was episode seven. If you haven't listened to her story, I would encourage you to hit pause now and go back and listen to her first time on the podcast. Uh, She was episode seven um, and sharing about the journey with her mom. Her mom at that time was still present on earth, but had been suffering from Alzheimer's for several years and had uh, was not able to communicate anymore. And so she was sharing about being a daughter without a mom, even with your mom physically still here on earth, um, but she still was already feeling that, that the feeling of being a daughter without a mom. So um, Becca is back today because her mom, Marilyn, has since gone to heaven and she wanted to give us an update on the last part of that journey with her mom and just um, of some of the things that they did to honor her. So I'm so glad that she's here again. And and her podcast is going to be released on February 8th of 2022. And the first one was February 9th of 2021. And I was like, the synchronicities of this stuff just make me laugh because we didn't plan this whatsoever we just she reached out to me and I reached out back to her and this is just how it worked out so um but I'm really grateful for you being here again today Becca and look forward to hearing your update well thank you it's good to be with you and it's been almost two two months now I you know you lose track of time of how long you know it's been already since she passed away she um I'll kind of go back to when we talked last in February, you know, the last, the last year of her life was a little bit of a roller coaster with COVID and being in the nursing home. And so uh, my dad was such a faithful um, spouse and companion. It was kind of, you know, he experienced the roller coaster more than she did um, just because of what she was aware of. But, you know, there would be weeks when he could get into the nursing home with kind of few barriers. And then, you know, as we've all been riding this roller coaster, um, then they'd go back to where there would need to be just window visits or inside with plexiglass. And then, you know, we get into fall and the weather gets colder in Iowa and um, there we had to do some outdoor window visits again. And so Thankfully, the last two months of her life in November and December um, at Thanksgiving time, we were able to go in and be with her. I think technically we were supposed to stay, you know, five or six feet away, but because of her condition and, you know, wasn't as if we were going to be infecting someone who had a long life expectancy. I think they were a little more lenient with our family. um, And so, At Thanksgiving, we got to spend, I think every day that we were in Iowa, we made a trip to the nursing home to see her. And on Thanksgiving day itself, uh, her three sisters, she's the youngest of four, um, her three sisters got to go back and spend an hour or two with her. And I was able to record some, some precious moments. They were, they used to sing together as a group of four, a quartet. And so you know, they sang to her a little bit. And um, I think it was hard on my mom's oldest sister. I mean, it was hard on all of them, but a couple of the other sisters had been able to visit a a bit more. Um, My oldest aunt has some physical limitations that make it harder for her to get around. And, you know, I think maybe because she's the oldest sister too, you know, feeling like she's the oldest caretaker, I think it was harder on her to see my mom's condition and how much she declined, you know, 
just the course of the disease over the last year. So, you know, that was kind of hard to witness, um, but at the same time, it was very sweet. And we had kind of a really fun moment the day, the day after Thanksgiving, we helped my dad decorate for Christmas and his Christmas tree had reached the end of its life. And so we sent our then 20 year old son to the store, you know, with a hundred dollar bill and, you know, go get this tree for grandpa. And, you know, it's time for him to have a new tree. And we got him all set up with a new tree. And the next day when we went to the nursing home, uh, I had started recording my dad, just some of his interactions with my mom, because he was so devoted and so sweet. And so he was just, you know, I thought I was just recording him, you know, being so loving towards her and his words. And so he was, you know, doing all of that and saying how beautiful she was and how, you know, she's the world's, you know, no one in the world was, could ever, you know, just, it was just constant, a stream of compliments. And so I was trying to get some of that on film and he started telling her the story of the Christmas, the new Christmas tree. And he said something kind of asking a question like do you know what happened yesterday do you know what we you know we do you know what happened yesterday and she looked at him clear as day and said what and that was the first time in probably at least three or four months that she seemed to be following the conversation and had a meaningful response I mean mm -hmm. there was some mirror like in those last months there were some mirroring of gestures or facial expressions of what if you looked happy or were smiling she might mirror you but you didn't get the sense that she really understood the conversation and so my dad did not know I was recording and he turned to look at me and I, you can hear the, on the playback, I gasped because I'm so surprised that she was able to, you know, give that response. And then my dad turned and looked at me with this, like the most amazing smile on his face. Like, did you get that? And he didn't even know I was videoing. And so the best part was later in the day he was sending that video to almost everybody he knew. Like mm -hmm. I texted it to him and he was so excited about it that he was sharing it with some of my mom's friends and her sisters and everybody. So that was, that was super special. And so um, that was Thanksgiving time. And I would say early December, the nursing home, uh, one of the nurses or somebody had a conversation with my dad that they were noticing that uh, my mom was not eating and drinking as much. And we knew we weren't going to do a feeding tube. That was something my dad had already decided and is not standard protocol for someone in those late stages of Alzheimer's. So we knew that um, things might be changing, but the nursing home wasn't sure if it was the course of her disease or if it was maybe a bug that was going through the nursing home that was impacting that. They couldn't quite tell. And so for a couple of weeks, it was a little bit up and down. Um, and then I think there had been a little period where my dad couldn't be there as much, but um, things kind of opened up again. And so he was able to go in and feed her himself a little bit and really sit with her one-on-one -on -one and try to get her to eat and drink more. And I think that helped for a week or so. And then, you know, they noticed again that she was continuing to not eat or drink much. And so you know, they had a conversation with my dad about options, um, hospice, which wasn't really something that we felt she would need. We weren't going to try to bring her home. Um, and she wasn't on a lot of medications that needed to be managed for pain or anything like that. And so they said, you know, they're at the nursing home, they had something called comfort care if it came to that. Um, where, you know, it's similar to hospice, but not, not just kind of their version of it. And so I think we were all a little bit nervous about, you know, just the end stages. And when it got to that point, um, we had had some family friend, a dear family friend who was at the nursing home right towards the beginning of COVID after my mom went in and she was in congestive heart failure. And my dad witnessed the end of her life and was, uh, she struggled. I mean, it was a struggle for a week or two with medications and being in pain and things like that. And so that made an impression on my dad. And I think he was very worried. You know, he, we had a few conversations where, you know, he kind of verbalized that 
he was hoping that we didn't have a similar situation with my mom and that it would happen quickly and peacefully. And um, so I'm trying to think, it was the second week of December. I think it set in that um, it was probably gonna be the ending sooner rather than later. She wasn't eating a whole lot. They were monitoring her vitals very closely and she was very stable um, even up until, December 17th, which was the day before she died, um, the nurses told my dad everything was stable. You know, she was sleeping a lot more. Um, she was not awake at that point very much, but she was still in, she, you know, she wasn't bed bound. She was still in her wheelchair. She was able to sit up. Um, but she would just sleep a lot. And my dad um, told me afterwards that he had a conversation with her on that Friday, the 17th, that um, in a few days, she'd probably be in heaven with her parents and with my nephew who had died as a baby. Mm-hmm. And so she'd be with them and Hunter and it was okay. And the next morning, I think it was around seven thirty. the nurses, I think when they went to get her out of bed, discovered there'd been a change in her status and she was laboring to breathe and they knew something had changed. And so they called my dad and uh, he called me on his way. He said, I'm on my way. The nursing home called. Um, it looks like this is probably the end. I don't, he's like, I don't know how long it'll take. Um, and so he called once on his way down, probably around 7.30 um, and then called, I think called me back around eight and he was in the room with her and, you know, kind of said what was going on. And um, this, this was the end and my brothers were on the way. And so I'm 12 hours away by car. So I knew that, you know, chances were not good. I would make it. Um, so I said, well, put her, can I talk to her? So he of course put it on speaker and I don't know how, like looking back, but I sang, you are my sunshine. Mm. And Mm. did I sing? I can't remember if I sang a second song, but I just was talking to her and saying to her and my dad said her breathing was kind of rugged and like very jerky. And he said, as I sang to her, it just calmed down. Mm. And he Mm. thought she was gone right away. As I was talking to her, Um, he went and got a nurse and they came back and did, you know, her breathing had mostly stopped, but it was kind of in that in-between state where um, they're like, Maury, she's still here, but it won't be long. And I would say within a minute or two, she was gone. And so I was on the phone and he, and of course being on the phone, um, I think he had the phone on speaker still. And I was like, can somebody just please give my dad a hug for me? Like, and I don't think that was a problem. He was, he's very beloved by the nursing home staff. So I think he got lots and lots of hugs. And um, my brothers got there. They didn't make it in, you know, there, there wasn't time for them to get there, but they stayed with my dad for an hour or two in the room. And um, my dad, just he it was very peaceful he said Mm -hmm. you know it was very peaceful and it was what we had prayed for that it would be peaceful and she wouldn't be in pain and it wouldn't you know drag on it was very quick after such a long journey for the ending to be so abrupt was kind of jarring but at the same time I think that's just the way it was supposed to be um So, and then, so I have gone back to teaching full-time. I am a long-term sub for the district where we live in Ohio. So I had been in a kindergarten classroom all of December and I was still teaching in that classroom. And so it's the weekend before we go back for like two days of, you know, teaching. So thankfully I was able to just kind of, someone met me at school that morning and I was able to take all the teacher, you know, the gifts for parents that we, you know, we make as teachers and all of that kind of stuff, drop it off at school. Um, and then we hit the road. Originally I was going to try to fly and we booked a flight that would have arrived at like 11 o'clock at night in Omaha, which is still a 90 minute drive to my parents' house. 
and um, within an hour of booking the flights, there were already delays and things that were like, okay, this is not going to happen. So we ended up getting on the road around 1 p.m. and it's a 12 hour drive. And so with the time change from Eastern to Central time, we got there about midnight. And so that was nice to be able to get there the same day, even though it was um, really late. Um, and it, that day was my son's 21st birthday, which was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like I, on one hand I felt bad, but at the same time, you know, we had been preparing and we knew it was coming. And so, you know, it just gives us, gives us another thing to celebrate now that she's not in pain. She's, you know, she's, um, in heaven and, you know, her journey here is over, but, um, yeah. And our son was very sweet. And when my husband called to tell him what had happened, um, his first questions were, how is mom and how's grandpa? So, you know, he wasn't worried about himself and his birthday and all of that, that kind of stuff. So, um, so we, we, I went home and, um, the funeral was, ended up being, on the 23rd that was kind of you know when it happens around the holidays it's hard to know if you tried to get it you know we didn't really want to wait until after Christmas because that was just a really long time and we kind of felt like we needed to get some closure and so and it's a hard time too because especially in the midwestern states you know a lot of the people my dad's age go south or they you know they're snowbirds so you know some people were in town and some people weren't in town and so um, we just decided to have it on the 23rd and try to get a little bit of closure before the holidays. And I mean, it was really beautiful. The church was beautiful to start with, with all of the poinsettias mm-hmm. for the holidays. And then um, there were a lot of flowers and it, you know, it just ended up being like the whole sanctuary was filled with flowers on top of the poinsettias. And it was just, it was just beautiful. And so um my dad, he would, I think the first week or so he had a really hard time sleeping. And mm. so he would wake up and, you know, I'd come out in the morning and he'd say, well, I was thinking last night, you know, he wasn't sleeping. He was thinking, and, um, he just wanted to make sure that we honored her and that it was a service, you know, that kind of matched the love he had for her. And our church has exterior lights that light up the stained glass windows at night. And so for her visitation, which was at nighttime, he's like, do you think, do you think we could turn those on? I'm like, I'm sure you just, you know, let pastor Katie know and they'll turn on the lights for us. So, you know, little things like that, that he wanted to do, um, that were just super, super sweet. And he was so thoughtful about everything. And, you know, I think as a family, we wanted to make sure we remembered her the way that she was before Alzheimer's, you know, affected her because she was very much a pillar of the community for church, school events, you know, anything that required a volunteer, like she was there for it. And she, she often told me as a girl um, to bloom where I was planted. And she told me that a lot when she, you know, like I wanted to do something that wasn't offered in my small town. And she wasn't going to drive me the 35 to 40 minutes to, um, to, to do whatever I wanted to do. So she'd say, Becca, you just have to bloom where you're planted. And so that kind of became a running joke for us. Yeah, I know. I got to just bloom where I'm planted, <laughs> but that's really what she did because she was born and raised Well, she died, um, living in the home where she was born. Oh, um, wow. so, you know, when you're farmers, you don't, branch out you don't move your you know your whole livelihood is the land and the community that's closest to your land and she was devoted to our town and our community and so we um and she also they lived you know on an acreage in the hills and she was very much about conservation and putting um some of their land into the state conservation easement so that it would never be developed and it couldn't be you know it would stay in its natural state. And so she loved wildflowers. So on top of just the whole bloom where you're planted thing and um, her love for wildflowers, we gave out little seeds of um, wildflower packets at her visitation um, for people to take and plant when when the weather warms up. So, 
and hopefully, you know, some people will take pictures and send them to us. And um, we know she would love that people are planting flowers in her name. And um, the other thing we did was we had postcards printed. She loved music. She was the church choir director and um, was in band and swing choir and choir in high school and just loved music her entire life. And so um, when she moved to the house where she was born after my grandparents died, um, she and my dad got a jukebox from the 60s and filled it with records. And she had very eclectic taste. She liked everything from 60s um, classics to, you know, 90s. And so you look at this jukebox and it's just kind of a, a smattering of music from every genre and every, um, every type of music. So I made a Spotify playlist and created a QR code that we added on to this postcard so that people, if, you know, they just want to feel close to her, you know, whether it's her sisters or other, you know, people who knew mom and all of my friends from high school were like, we always loved your jukebox. And so like they could scan it and get the music. And I mean, it was the center of a lot of family, you know, let's turn on the jukebox and just dance. So we were able to pass that out to everybody who came. And then um, it was just a way to kind of help remember who she was before, mm -hmm. before the Alzheimer's kind of stole her voice. So that was, I think, what I wanted more than anything was just to remember that because you know like I said it's that anticipatory grief like I I feel like I think I told somebody at the visitation you know a lot of people were asking about my dad and I think that was the hardest thing to witness was mm -hmm. my dad's loss and my mom's sister's pain because I felt like I hadn't had a mom for a really long time but my dad still had a spouse and he was still so devoted and spending so much time, you know, two to three hours a day driving to the nursing home, seeing her driving back home. So knowing that void that was going to be there on top of the void of losing your, you know, your spouse, your everything. So I think that was some of the hardest moments. I, we got some great pictures. My husband was kind of a stealth photographer. Um, he got a picture of my dad and I just kind of sitting in the front pew of the church and I had my head on his shoulder and oh. mm. I saw that I think you posted that picture yeah I think that's when I found out and I realized that your mom was gone yeah yeah mm. and then I took a couple pictures of at the funeral um all of my mom's sisters and my dad, like in a bear hug. And like the hurt was just so raw. And so, and I don't wanna say that I wasn't sad for myself because I was, but it was harder to see them. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think probably the hardest part, but we have had, um, <laughs> so I've always heard people say like when someone you love passes like you're you might see things you know like you're going to notice things or like you'll find feathers or pennies or you know whatever and so the first night I was working on this playlist uh sometime between her passing and the funeral and I'm in the kitchen late at night and I hear like a little clattering and it was one of those little tiny bugs that looks like a ladybug, but isn't like the yes. orangish. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, mom, maybe that's you. I'm working on your music. Like she, it was kind of crawling around on the counter and my dad came in and I'm telling this story and he goes, well, I hope that's not her. Cause I just put one of those down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a good laugh out of that. And so, and we did, I have seen quite a few of those since then, but what was really cool was so we were at the cemetery, which is very hilly. And we were, we got there first, of course, being at the front of the procession and we were waiting for my mom's sisters. And so her oldest sister uses a walker. And they had to park pretty far away. And so we were waiting for her to walk over and be seated so we could start the graveside service. And 
my aunt on the other side of the family, we were all standing there and she said, look, an eagle. And there was a bald eagle just kind of circling over the, the grave, the, you know, the cemetery. And um, we had one of the songs we played at the church was on eagle's wings, which wow. like, that's one thing. Um, and then for the next, I would say, I think it was Christmas Eve, my husband and I left and we were going to run some errands and we got about two to three miles from their house and a giant eagle every time, like twice that day, we went, had to run somewhere. And both times an eagle flew in front of our car. And then um, it was after the holidays and my husband um, drove back to Ohio on the 27th. And I was there helping my dad get some things done and write thank you notes and things like that. And I was leaving to run errands one day by myself. And I was, they live on a gravel road and I was driving down the gravel road and there was a giant tree off to one side and I looked up and I thought it was an owl at first. So I stopped the car and I looked up at this tree and it was a gigantic bald eagle. And I got, I put the car in park and I got out and I looked up and I zoomed in, you know, with my camera and I was like, yep, that's a bald eagle. And it was just sitting there. And I think I was filming for maybe 30 or 40 seconds, but about halfway through, as I was zoomed in on it, this eagle turned and looked right at me. And I was like, woo, okay. So I don't know if my dad has continued to see eagles, but then it was funny as I get home from my trip, I'm like, I was just, you know, thinking about things and I'm like, my address, I live on Eagle Nest Court is my address of all things. And I was like, well, that's kind of a, you know, coincidence. And I haven't seen any since I've been here. I've seen a couple Cardinals now, but no, no Eagles. So, but that was really, um, really neat. And it's funny because it wasn't just us. Um, my cousin saw an Eagle when she was leaving. She had come to help us with some thank you notes. And then, you know, she was saying how she saw an eagle. And I think over the course of a few days, we were texting and I said, I saw it again. And then she said her daughter and son in Minnesota had an eagle fly right in front of their car. Okay. And before and this so, wasn't a common occurrence. Like, I, I mean, I think there is an eagle that lives somewhere around there, but like people didn't always see it everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. Wow. So yeah, so that's been, I stayed with my dad until New Year's Eve, I flew back to Ohio from Iowa. And, you know, I think he's, he's doing okay. He, he's slowly finding things to fill that time of day when I think that's still the hardest mm. time of day is those hours when he would normally be at the nursing home. Um, he had done a pretty good job of filling the rest of his days with things and um so I think he's slowly starting to adjust and it's I know thankfully the service was live streamed and saved on mm -hmm. the church's Facebook page so I know that he's gone back repeatedly and what he was watching it the day of the funeral he was watching it again in like the afternoon mm -hmm. and just kind of you know like soaking it all in and I don't think he watched it straight through that day but he he watched part of it and because just the other day you know he's like well I sat down and watched mom's service again you know all the way through and so I think that's really been nice for him to have that to go back and because we you know we tried to make it as personal as we could and because she was the choir director it was super hard to narrow down songs because she liked every song um but we knew we couldn't couldn't have all of them and it was funny because after the funeral i was saving some files from her computer and i found some journal entries or things that she'd written and i found one that was kind of about their wedding and how she and my grandma, who had been the church organist for years and years, had argued because my mom wanted the song, God be with you till we meet again mm -hmm. at her wedding as the benediction. And my grandma, the church organist said, you can't have that. That's a funeral song. And my mom's like, but it doesn't have to be a funeral song. And so uh, if I had known that we, if, or seen that before the service, we might have 
of course put that song in there but I did add it to the Spotify playlist mm. and I've since added songs that you know they may not be on her jukebox but I know that you know hymns or things that I know she really loved I've you know kind of I'll add them to the playlist which is nice that you can keep changing it it can kind of can keep adding things as as you think of them but um that was kind of it's like oh yeah I would have known if we'd known we would have put that in you know her service but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so Hmm. I was wondering since she was the choir director and music was such a big part of her journey had she ever at any point in time made a request for certain songs to be at her service I asked my, my dad and she was never she wouldn't ever say because she was in denial that okay. she had it you know when she was first diagnosed with alzheimer's um she she didn't want to admit that you know that's what she had and i think by the time she, you know it she had declined they and was unable to talk they'd never really had that conversation so it was hard because there's so many things and the other thing too, when we got in the car and started driving on the day she died, my dad called multiple times during you know the 12 hour trip, but we were just getting ready to, we had just taken off in the car and he called and he's like, yeah, you've got a lot of time there while you're driving. Do you think you could write the obituary? <laughs> and I guess I didn't know, like, I don't, I guess I thought there were obituary fairies who wrote the obituaries for you. Like, I didn't know what did somebody at the, the funeral home? Like, so I was like, okay. And so we tried our best to make that very personal and it ended up being really long. But again, we just wanted everybody to remember who she was before and all the things she did. Like she really like did do so many things for the community and helped with so many projects and things like that, that we just wanted to, to make sure we celebrated all of that. So, so it ended up being quite lengthy, mm -hmm. um, but you know, lots of people kept, you know, would say to my dad, that was really, you know, it was wonderful that, you know, it wasn't just a plain obituary. And so we did our best to, to honor her. I mean, you always feel like the words are never quite going to be enough, yeah. you know, right. But, but we tried, <laughs> I guess we tried. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the playlist and the wildflower seed packets because then um, there'll be little reminders of your mom all over the place from, you know, wherever the people came from, wherever they took the seeds back to. Yeah. Um, and then when they see them, they'll think about her. And, you know, those are the ways to keep those, those legacies uh, alive. Well, yeah. and I have, I have fun. I'll just, play the, the playlist in my car and I'll put it you know as I'm driving to work and I'll put it on shuffle and the other day the first song was don't worry baby by the beach boys and I was like you know there's a lot of stuff going on right now and um just life in general and I was like okay maybe that's a message from mom there don't worry you know and so mm -hmm. every, every once in a while I'll be like well maybe she's you know she's sending me little messages through which songs come up to play when I'm when I'm listening so that's kind of fun too so Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I'm assuming that you have a love of music also that you inherited from your mom. Yes. And, and so like, I definitely connect through music and song, like, you know, that it can take you right back to that place where you were from when that song was popular or whatever. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those songs come out for you and, and the times when you need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so if I'm remembering correctly from a year ago, your dad did something at the nursing home for Valentine's Day. Wasn't he getting a rose for everyone? Or he sent lots and lots of roses to everybody. At the, I mean, not one per person, but he sent probably five or six dozen so that there'd be some at every um, nurse's station and every spot. And it was, it was really sweet. My dad... Um, had a group of women be honorary pallbearers at the service and uh, two of them were nursing home workers that had mm -hmm. just been so special and so wonderful to her um, and it just meant so much to him that they had taken such good care of her like when he 
couldn't do it anymore and he trusted you know them to do it and so that was really sweet and he's still um he just last week or two weeks ago sent pizza to the entire nursing home staff and i think once you know things kind of go back to normal you know when visitors are a little more freely you know allowed in the nursing home i think he'll still go and volunteer and uh-huh. visit people um and he's on the foundation that helps raise money for the nursing home now to do like extra things. So he, you know, he'll stay in that position. And we, when we did a fundraiser twice now to raise money for fingernail polish strips for the nursing home residents. And so we've talked about that and, you know, we're like, we'll probably keep doing that because even though mom's not there, you know, we still want people to feel special and loved and have, you know, some of those little things that we take for granted when, you know, we can do it ourselves or whatever. So some of those things we'll continue to do. And that goes back to my grandmother who was a volunteer at the same nursing home before my mom. Um, so our family's been involved there for a really long time. And so, you know, it was so nice that they did such a wonderful job taking care of her. And, mm. and so mm. we definitely want to continue to, to pay that back and let them know how much we appreciate them because words are just not enough when you especially with everything that's happened in the last two years like it just kind of seems I tell my husband someday we'll look back at these two years and we'll laugh and now like that was before like the craziness of COVID even and now I'm like I don't I don't know if we'll laugh anymore like we might just (laughs) say we're not going to talk about these years again like we're just gonna let them go so Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I can't imagine how hard it's been on the nursing home staff. Mm-hmm. And, and I, even the last month, I know, you know, I think with the Omicron coming through, my dad still gets text messages because he hasn't like, uh, like taken himself off of their list. And so, you know, he'd be like, oh, the nursing home has, you know, 12 people sick right now. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully it's, you know, I don't know how they can keep it staffed efficiently with so many people. Um, And even myself, I got, I had COVID now the first week of January I got it this year. And thankfully, because I was um, vaccinated and boosted, it was very mild and it was, it was not that, um, you know, I didn't hardly, I wouldn't even have known that's what it was. But I think part of that was I had really been vigilant thinking if I needed to get in to see mom and I would need to be negative and I would need to have all of these things. And then once she passed, um, it wasn't that I was careless, but I, you know, I, I teach kindergarten and I used to take my mask off more than I was before. And, you know, I, I specifically remember one day, like I was working with a kid and I don't know what they said, but they really enunciated and you like, you feel it hit your face and you're like, Oh, (laughs) This is not good, you know, it's probably not good. So, but thankfully it was quick and I was back to work before too long, but, you know, it's just been such a crazy two years that, you know, if there's a silver lining though of COVID, I, I still say that it was that it, I think it helped my dad not be able to spend all day at the nursing home with her Mm -hmm. because he had to learn how to not be with her all day long. And so if there's a silver lining of COVID, that's probably what it is for our family that it helped ease the transition that we knew was coming, but um, the final transition is still, I think the hardest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even now, you know, I felt, I felt kind of funny the week when she passed, like I, I mean, I definitely cried, but I wasn't like inconsolable. And I don't know if it's because I'd been grieving for so long that, you know, I just felt like more in that moment, I needed to be stronger and just kind of get the whole family through what, you know, what we needed to do. And so it's really, you know, it's the little moments that kind of, oh, because she wasn't a part of my daily life being so far away. And so like when you stop and like, oh, she's really gone, like, Mm-hmm. there's no going back to the window to visit, you know, next time we go back or um, my dad has had, what did he, 
he's had some things of hers that he, you know, we've been going through like her fabric stash and we keep finding more and donating <laughs> it to people who can make things for people. And I don't even remember what it was in the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm so proud of him because for a long time, it was really, I think, hard for him to part with some of those things. But he mentioned taking something to the, you know, the little, we call it, it's the King's Closet, which is kind of like a thrift store where you can take some of these things. And I think like, I was like, oh, that's really great. But then in the back of my head, it was like, oh, you know, one more piece of her that's gone, you know, not mm. that he needed to hold on to it, but it was like, it hit me differently. And I'm like, well, I'm always the one who's telling him to get, yeah, it's fine to get rid of this stuff or you could donate this, you know, that's what mom would want. But then like, it just hit me, you know, kind of funny. So, and we mm. like my cousin and I spent, and my brother and my dad spent one day just trying to go through stuff. And I have to laugh because my mom kept everything, everything. And so, you know, we were kind of doing that whole Marie Kondo, like bless it and release like the 40 years of Christmas cards that she had separated by year. And, you know, it was like, okay, it's time to let these go. And she never, she could not throw any fabric away, like ever. And so there was what I thought was a bin of just scraps, like little ripped pieces of fabric. And I was like, I don't know, even know what you would use these for. Cause I was like, why, why would she keep these? I don't know what you'd use them for, but, and I was about ready to toss the whole thing. And I, it's a voice in my head. I was like, just paw through it, just go through it. And I, I found this bag of squares, which, um, was from my wedding shower because I got married mm -hmm. at Christmas time. And okay. there are signatures from everybody who came to my wedding shower. And so we obviously never, we haven't turned them into anything yet, but I would have just chucked it. And as I, you know, I plucked it out of there and realized what it was and I went through and there's signatures of so many people that aren't with us anymore. Mm. My great aunt, my grandma, all of these neighbors and friends who've since passed away. And so I had to go, I mean, I, it, I just flat out was like, okay, mom, like I got it. Like <laughs> I didn't throw it away. Mm -hmm. I found it. So it was just kind of funny, mm -hmm. but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Well, it sounds like she had a real knack for doing things that um, had a lasting impression and found a way to put it into something that would be something tangible that you could, you know, yeah. keep then oh, the squares. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She loved to quilt and she, she just loved fabric. And so, and mm -hmm. it would make her so happy. Now my dad has donated, there's uh, women from our church who have taken the bins of fabric and they are making jumpers for little girls in Africa and they're making quilts for mm. the homeless shelters in the area. And so all of that is being put to good use. And so mm. um, that, that makes us all feel, feel good. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just funny how things happen because she, she didn't ever get rid of anything, but we found ways to do do it in a way that honors her. For example, their attic was full of clothes um, from family members that go back to the 1920s. And it, they've just been in the closet for 60 plus years, some of these items of clothing. And when my grandparents died, my mom's sisters and her went through a lot of it. And they, some people took what they wanted, but the rest just went back in the closet. And so I was like, this, you know, it's just, no one is going to wear these in our family. And it turns out that the person, one person my dad got closest to at the nursing home was the activities director who would set up all of the Skypes and all of these things for them to connect and talk to each other. And she has a vintage clothing shop on Etsy. And so I discovered this after, you know, I met, you know, we got acquainted and I became a Facebook friend of hers. And then I saw her post this and I said to my dad, I said, there's nobody more perfect to come and look at these items because some of them are really beautiful and, you know, like sixties vintage dresses and someone out there will appreciate them and be able to wear them, but it's not anybody in our family. And so just the little things like that, 
like synchronicities. Like it just worked out that she came over and looked at it and she's, and we're like, you can just have it. We don't need any money. Just please take it and um, get it to somebody who will appreciate it. And it won't end up in a landfill, but yet we don't have to hold on to it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so little things like that, that have just happened that it just seems to be, you know, the way it was supposed to happen. And mm-hmm. so that's made things too a lot easier as we try to go through things. And um, there's still a lot left to go through. There's a, you know, it's, my grandparents bought the house in 1938 or 39. Okay. And so their stuff is, there's still stuff of theirs and their parents' stuff. So there's lot many generations of things, um, but you know my cousin has k- kindly said you know we can get together and have a girls' week at the house this summer and kind of go through more stuff so that it doesn't all fall on my dad to take care of and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, mm-hmm. thankfully our family is very close and um, you know it was nice to all be together even though it was you know for her funeral and things like that so yeah we're very mm-hmm. through it all I think we all realize how lucky we are even though it was hard you know it mm-hmm. was it was a beautiful end to um, a beautiful life well lived so mm-hmm. that makes us all happy yeah well that's very well said um at church this morning the pastor used a the the like loading symbol you know like when you're uploading yeah. a file or something and he talked about how sometimes it you know seems to progress really slowly and then sometimes it you know goes fast for a little bit and then slows down again and he um used it as an analogy to our lives like you know that we don't know when it's going to reach the end and all this kind of stuff and so his challenge at the end was that if we were each had one post-it note like what would you want people to remember about you when you're, you know, reach the end of that loading portion of your life? And so listening to you talk, like thinking about your mom with her flowers, and you said, you said that she was just a pillar of the community and the church and the school. Um, and that, that your dad just loved her so deeply and so consistently and so um, unconditionally is just, yeah so amazing um and so i think you know your mom's your mom's post-it note is something that's going to be a legacy that you guys are going to cherish for a long time and it sounds like you're going to continue to find ways to keep her keep talking about her and keeping her memory alive with the nails and things um, at the nursing home which i think is just awesome and would you be willing to share the Spotify link with us? Oh, if absolutely. I could put it, if yeah. I can put it in the show notes. I yeah, think that, that would be, be awesome. That would be really cool. I love, I love music. And so I'd love to see the, and I love that she was just a modge podge of. Oh, it's, yeah, it and, is a, there is Garth Brooks. There is, you know, Billy Joel. There's the Beach Boys. There's Sandy Patty. I mean, it is just, it's all of the things that she, she loved it all. So yeah, yeah. she would love that. And I did, okay. it was. The timing of everything you know I know the first year will be hard but I told my dad I said well, we made it through the first Christmas already <laughs> you know like it was right away so I was like okay and I've already had my birthday I think Mother's Day will be hard because she was born on Mother's Day so her Aww. birthday is May 9th and so mm-hmm. it's going to be like a double whammy this year you know mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to fall on sometimes it falls on Mother's Day so we'll right. have to see but yeah right right. and valentine's day is next week so you're gonna have to give your dad some extra tlc i was just thinking i need to get to the store and get a card in the mail so it has time to get from ohio to iowa because sometimes it takes a long time these days yeah (laughs) we'll see how that all goes but yeah yeah. so well tell him that the daughters without mom's community sends him a big hug i will will. we appreciate that how you know how what an honor when it how he honored your mom for, for all the years of their marriage, which is what we oh. agreed to when we get married, but not everybody oh, yeah. does that. And oh. one and, of the scriptures that was read at the service was first Corinthians 13 at the love chapter. And my co- he asked my sweet cousin to read it. And it, I would, 
having, you know, having tried to speak at a funeral before, I know how hard that is. And so like she started reading it and then stopped and had to regroup a little bit and then continued. And it was just so special to have her read that and just to, as the their child to sit there and realize how faithfully he has lived up to that scripture was really it 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 just you know it's hard to put into words how that feels as their daughter yeah. and he's he's so unassuming you know he has had people come to him and say I can't you know I could never do what you did and my dad's like well you don't know you might be you know you might be able to but um mm -hmm. I don't think he realizes how that left an impression on the people around him that yeah. will live forever you know that love um will live forever just because of what we witnessed and so that was really special too mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. a remarkable love story for sure yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also, if you're willing to share that picture of you and your dad um, oh, from yeah. the service, I'd love to post that yeah. when I share the podcast as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I can share the picture of my dad with my mom's sisters, too. I think that is really special. It's kind yeah. of like you'll just have to see it and see um, it's special. You can tell just the love and the sadness all together in one. Mm -hmm. so. All at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thanks so much for being here, Becca. I really, you, you know, really appreciated you coming back and um, finishing out the story of your of your mom and sharing all the updates with us. So thank Absolutely. you so much. Mm -hmm. If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief. Hi everyone, this is Beth and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. With Valentine's Day this week, I wanted to talk about love. Can you have a happily ever after once you've experienced a significant loss? How do you love after loss? This first segment is from a live that I did on Instagram in January of 2021.